Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 7, and verse 47 is where we'll take our text from tonight. We are still in the study of basic Bible doctrines. There are different ways to teach this. There are many subjects we can go into. I have I have tried with God to bring some simple messages on some simple subjects that are our basis for what we believe. Tonight, we're going to talk about the presence of God with the believer. I'll, I'll ask a simple question for a title, but when you think about it, it can be pretty thought-provoking. And that is, where is God? Where is God? Acts 7, 47. But Solomon built him an house. Howbeit, the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? In 1953, a movie came out by the title Hondo. And it was starring uh, John Wayne. And in a portion of this movie... John Wayne comes upon this six-year-old boy who is fishing. And he's giving some tips to this boy about how to fish better. I think it was something of the effect of the way he was standing. The sun was behind him and he was casting a shadow on the water. And John Wayne was telling him the fish can see your shadow and it messes you up or whatever. He said, you need to fish on the other side of the lake. And that little six-year-old boy said, well, I can't swim, though, sir. And John Wayne said, you can't swim. And he immediately grabbed that boy and he chunked him out in the lake. And he goes under and he comes up and he's hitting that water. And he goes under again and he comes up and his mama comes running out and she's screaming. And, and John Wayne's trying to tell him how to paddle just a little bit. And next thing you know, the boy is, is going and he gets to the other side of the lake and he's just as happy as he can be. Any, anyone here learn how to swim by being thrown in the pool or thrown in the pond? Anyone? Come on. Got to be somebody. Someone, oh, someone online. Someone online. That happened to them. I've heard it too many times. Is it just an interesting story to make us look interesting or what? Because I know I've heard of a lot of people that have done that. And, you know, just just chunk you into the water and you're on your own. You're on your own to survive. You're on your own to make it. You're on your own to keep your head above water. You know, some people... Believe that's the way it is with God. Even those professing Christians might tell you or they might seem to think 
that yes, God saves us, but then it seems like he puts us out in this cruel old world just to survive on our own. And maybe he peeks in on us every now and then. Well, I want to share with you tonight that that is not the truth whatsoever for the child of God. We are going to talk about the presence of God in a special way and make it very clear where God is. Um, you know, what is God's address on this earth? If you look at a globe, where does God reside? Where is God? Some would say, well, his address is the church. And I can understand some people saying that because the church is called the house of God, but that's not God's address. Some would say, well, God is everywhere. And we can't disagree with that. David said that in the 139th Psalm. David says, whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. God is everywhere, but God has a more specific address that we are going to talk about tonight. God has a very personal residence, and it's very important for you and I to know where God is. It is life changing for us to know where God is. As we live our lives in this world, we need some confidence. And that confidence comes from knowing where God is at home. Knowing where he resides. It makes all the difference in the world for our outlook in life. For the experiences that you and I have, we desperately need to know where God is. With such war and turmoil in this world, there is a life of peace for the child of God to have. And a big part of it is knowing where God is. We need to know where he is and we need to meditate on where he is all the time. But before we get to where God is, let's let's go back a little bit and let's consider the first place God lived concerning man anyway. And that was with the first man, Adam. Genesis 1.26 tells us that Adam was made in the image of God. As we consider the triune aspect of our God, you can also consider the a triune aspect of, of man in, in one sense, in that man is spirit, and he is soul, and he is body. 
when Paul was praying for the children of God, he says, I pray, this is 1 Thessalonians around 5.23, he prays that our spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus. Man is a very unique and peculiar creation of God. The only creation that he lives within. But concerning the first man and the first place we would find God living, we also will consider the fall of man with this first man. Because when the first man, Adam, sinned, he died spiritually. And when he sinned, as soon as he sinned and corrupted his residence, it was instant that God moved out. He was dead spiritually. He was in separation from God. He defiled his residence. Sin moved in, man fell, and God moved out. That speaks of the fatality of man. You know, the fatality of man wasn't just stated concerning Adam. It was seen. A curse came upon Adam and things were different. He was separated from God. Adam lived pure before he sinned. But after Adam sinned, he lived as he pleased. For man to live as he pleases is not a good thing. It is not pure living. And that's what Adam did. Adam was a spiritual man, but Adam became a natural man. And the natural man is separated from God and dead to God. You might not see it for a while, but it happens. It's kind of like my shrubs out in front of my house. I trimmed, I gave them a haircut before I went to camp, they, they had stragglers going all over the place. And so so I took my little trimmer and and I trimmed the top best I could. I squared it up the best I know how. And I didn't pick up the, you know, the pieces that fell off. I, I, they, they fell on top of the bush and they fell in the bush and I just left them. It would have taken forever to pick them out because because they looked just like the part of the living bush. They were dead. They were dead the moment I cut them off. And they were separated from the root and the branches. But they looked like they were living. I came back from camp. And I saw some dead little twigs here and there within my bush. And that is exactly what happens to man. Man has died spiritually, man is dead spiritually when he is separated from God, and eventually you're going to see it. The wheat may mingle within the tares, but eventually you see when someone is dead to God and alive unto God. And so you have with Adam that he was separated from God in death. He died spiritually, and then he died physically, and every single person in their natural state is in that condition if they die without God. And that's not a good place to be. 
So there's the first place God lived. But there's also another former place God lived. And that was in the tabernacle. As the children of Israel traveled through the wilderness, they would they would assemble the tabernacle and they would disassemble it precisely and they would move on as they were led by the Lord and they would set it up. They would set up the outer court. They would set up the holy place and the holy of holies would be set up. And as we have already considered ourselves being spirit, soul and body, you might consider this triple aspect of the tabernacle. There was the outer court. There was the bronze wash basin where you had to be cleansed. And then there was an altar for sacrifice in that outer court where you sacrifice the animal. And and that we can liken unto us. We're to be cleansed. We are to offer our bodies a living sacrifice unto God. And then you might consider the holy place, which was a place where the people could learn to worship by the visual aid, if you will, of what they would see there. Because there was the table of showbread in the holy place. And it was constantly set up on display. And then there was also the menorah. And that was the only light that was in the holy place. There were no windows. There was no light coming in through the door. The only light came from that menorah. And we gather for the word of God. Those things would teach the people about the worship of God. And we gather and we learn that from the word of God. And then through the veil... In the holiest of holies was the Ark of the Covenant, the representation of God. And at that time, the priest would personally go in and worship with the Lord. And of course, we're not going to get into tonight, but you know that the veil was rent in twain from top to bottom. And the way to God is made open for us to worship him now. But we see the former place that God lived concerning the tabernacle. But there's the courts concerning the tabernacle. But there was also the corruption concerning the tabernacle. And that Israel turned to idolatry. They turned to idolatry. And, and there was a change concerning the tabernacle and the temple. And eventually it was tore down. And it was no more. And God left them. For a while they did business as usual. But God left that. But it was no longer needed anyway. Because we get to the flawless place that God lives. And the flawless place that God lives is in and through the Son of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Consider how Jesus came. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We couldn't go to God, but God came to us 
through the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. By the way, if there's anyone here that doesn't know it, Jesus Christ is God Almighty. God is His Son. God came in human form for you and I. We couldn't go to Him, but He came, you understand, he came in the flawless person of his son. In Matthew chapter 3, in the end of that chapter, it says that the Spirit of God descended like a dove and uh, lighted upon him. The flawless Son of God is God himself. We couldn't go to God, so God came to us. So in the life of the flawless place God lives, it was in his son and God came and God crucified. I say that because it was the will of God that Jesus Christ be crucified for our sins in our place. It was God's will that this come upon his son and happen for us for all of humanity's sin to come upon him for everyone. There's never been anyone that Jesus Christ didn't pay the price for all of the sins of the world came upon Jesus. So God came and God crucified. But as we consider Jesus on the cross, we have to say that God couldn't. God couldn't. When all of the sins of the world came upon our Lord Jesus Christ, he became sin who knew no sin. And when that happened to Jesus, God couldn't. He couldn't look upon that sin. Some do not understand this, but this is a time where God turned away. He turned away from his son while the sins of the world came upon him for you and I. He couldn't look upon him. He had to leave his son alone to pay the penalty for sin. And praise God, Jesus was raised in victory over our sin. He defeated it. Sin died on that cross. Jesus came off that cross and he came out of the cave alive, but sin died there. And that takes us to the forever place that God lives. Where is God? First, consider what God has done to be where he is. God has sacrificed and God has suffered. He moved in and from Adam. He moved in and from the tabernacle, from the temple. He moved away from his own son whenever he died on the cross for us. And God has done all of this so that he can come and move into us and never ever move away again. God has made his moves in. God has made his moves away so that he can now be just and the justifier and to come live within his children forever. God has a permanent address now that you can find him. Where is God? God is in you. 
God is in the believer. God has taken residence up in your life, in your heart, within you. This is where God lives. God will not be dwelling in this building tomorrow. But he's dwelling here tonight because he's inside of you. And he lives in you. The believer knows that that's where God's address is. That's where God makes his home within you and I. Jesus says, and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide in you forever. Where is God? He's within us. We became a suitable dwelling place for God to take up residence after all God has done to put us in a condition through Jesus Christ that Jesus may be a permanent dwelling inside of us. First Corinthians chapter six, the end of the chapter says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple Of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God has taken up and resided in you and taken over. It's actually his home now. And that's where you get to be. You and I get to be with God. We're together with him. The believer is with God. A temple that God is no longer moving out of. He will not move out of the temple that you are of the Holy Ghost. The believer has a blessedness. Our sin has been removed and righteousness has been imputed and we have been sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. It says in the book of 2 Timothy 2.13 and it speaks of the Lord and it says he abideth faithful. We have a permanent residence for God Within us, we have been sealed until the day of redemption, never, ever to be abandoned by God and to have the precious promise that he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We are justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. He's never moving out of his house. God's going to clean up house every now and then. And we need it. But he's never going to leave. He's never going to walk away. The believer is living in the presence of God. That's where God is. He is in you and you are in him and you have his presence everywhere that you go.
We are the forever place that God lives. A few thoughts on that as we're closing a short message tonight. A few thoughts on living in God's presence. It's personal. It's salvation is personal. Salvation is about man going to heaven. But salvation is so much more than that. Salvation is about God coming to live in man. Not just man being able to live in heaven one day. It is very personal in that God comes to live in man. But it's not only personal, it's permanent. God moved out of Adam, the tabernacle, his son on the cross, but he has stopped moving. He has stopped moving and he promises to be with you. He promises to never leave you. It is permanent what God has done for us. And it's also progressive, though. Look, we are not perfect yet. But Philippians 1 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We are not perfect yet, but we are being perfected. We are being perfected by God within us. We are being perfected by the work that he is doing through us when we are yielded and submitted to God. It's a progressive thing that's going on with God in this salvation that we have and living in his presence. But it's also very precise. Living in God's presence is precise. Some may believe, some definitely act as though we are only in God's presence when we are at church. But we are in the presence of God when we are at home as well. We're in the presence of God when we're at work, at the store, when we go on vacation, we're in the presence of God. Some have a rule, what, what happens on the cruise stays on the cruise. And, and that's not true. But even if it were, it affects nothing to do with God because God's there with us. He's, he's everywhere. His precise residence in, is in us, but he goes everywhere that we go. It is very precise. He is everywhere with us. This living in God's presence is very profitable. It's very profitable for you and I because God empowers those who he lives within. The Bible speaks of the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And that very power dwells in you. Dwells in you, child of God. And he has useful things for you. If you're here tonight and you're a child of God and you feel useless to God, don't think that way. Don't think that God cannot use you for something. You might think of some major points in ministry or major points in things that God uses people for. And that's not you. But God wants to use you. And 
God living within you is an empowering so that you can be used by him. God will use everyone he saves and he lives within everyone he saves and gives you a power to live and serve him. You're going to do something you you some of you have already been serving the Lord and and when you started doing something for the Lord, you had no experience in doing that. Your confidence was severely having issues. But it was God that was working in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And some of us in the midst of ministry right now, we, we get down, we get low, we get lower, and we think we can't do this. But it is God that's working in you and I. And there's a calling on someone's life and you feel completely inadequate, as you should within yourself. But don't stay there. Know that Christ dwelling within you is the empowering you need to be able to live for him and to serve him. And he will use you in ways that you never imagined you could be used by God. And that's God living in you. I, I said in the beginning, it makes a complete difference as we're living in this world, knowing where God is. Within us, residing in us, empowering us to live for Him and to serve Him. But if there's anyone listening tonight online or anyone here tonight who has never been saved, look, as we have went around the world with this tonight, can you see that you are separated from God? Can you see that you are separated from Him and that you need to be saved from your sins. And I want to tell you something tonight lost person. If you understand that you are lost. And you need a savior. You need Jesus Christ to save you. The moment that he saves you. He comes to live within. And you're no longer the same. You're a new person. It's troubling when you ask for a testimony. And someone goes all the way back to a profession of faith, but nothing between then and now. We were dead in sins and we were made alive unto God when we trusted in Jesus Christ. This is the most amazing experience you'll ever know. Not saying you're feeling Fireworks going off within or you're not doing cartwheels. But if you're saved, you know you're saved. And if you're saved, you know the answer to this simple question we're sharing tonight. Where is God? There's no doubt that he's living within the believer. You are assured that God resides within you. He is in you and you are in him. And you know it. If you don't know that tonight. We hope that and pray that you will trust in the Lord Jesus. And know him as your Lord and Savior. That you wouldn't think of profession and a religion. But you would consider a relationship with Jesus Christ. And knowing where God is. Knowing where he is all your life. And knowing where he's going to stay all of your life.